Hello, welcome to the Wednesday Word, Desert Springs midweek refresh, where we dive a little deeper into uh, Sunday's sermon. My name is Lydia. I am the uh, director of children's ministry here, and I am joined by Anne Harney. Hello. And Chris. Hello. <laughs> uh, and we are going to uh, read Pastor David's devotional for the day and stop for some questions. Wherever you are listening, if you can leave comments, we'd love to hear your thoughts on these questions. So go ahead and uh, leave a comment. And if you missed Sunday's sermon and you want to check that out, you can go to Desert Springs website, desertspringchurch.com, to find it there. So shall we jump in? Let's do it. All right. During my current sermon series, I am talking about agape love, a self-sacrificing love that is always concerned about the well-being of others. Today, as I write my devotional about agape love, I'm thinking about the life and ministry of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. How could I not? His life is an example of love is as love does, and his teaching is about the power of agape to change the world. For my devotional today, I have chosen several of my favorite Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. quotes on the importance of power and the importance and power of love for us to reflect upon. Here is my first quote. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. From the 1957 speech, Loving Your Enemies. All right. What are our thoughts on these words? Well, it really puts the onus on us to be a more proactive, uh, you know, light and love in the world and not reactionary to, you know, the world around us or the people around us. Um, I really resonated with this one. I just felt like um, it kind of is a challenging quote, um, which all these seem to be, you know, challenging our, our mm-hmm. kind of inner self. And I really, I, I like being challenged in that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think a uh, pastor just said this in uh, w- one of his recent sermons. He was talking about the Christ candle that we light the, sur- the um, sanctuary from in our Christmas Eve service and how that light from the Christ candle overcomes darkness. The the darkness of the sanctuary is not the final thing that happens. The Mm -hmm. Christ candle lights the sanctuary um, as it's passed from parishioner to parishioner. And so um, I just think that a lot of what Dr. King um, said just reminds me of Jesus. You know, I know he was a preacher and um but it seems like this um this quote is just you know could almost come directly from jesus yeah (laughs) right absolutely yeah it reminded me of how easy it can be to fall into sort of a cycle of of hatred or maybe bitterness where uh you know you get angry or bitter hateful and um and that just makes you more angry or bitter or hateful. And it takes an act of love or an intentional um, uh, decision in order to kind of break that cycle. And that decision is always going to be love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's intentional. You mm-hmm. have to decide right. to love. And I think that's something that our, our culture um, gets wrong about love mm-hmm. um, and thinking it's just an emotion 
it, it is an emotion, but you can, it's also a decision. You can right. choose to act in a loving manner, even if you don't feel loving towards someone. Sure. So yeah. it is an intentional um, process. Yeah. Loving someone. Yeah. So in the speech, Dr. King invited folks to think about the good and evil in human life. He explained that there is some good in people who do evil, and there is some evil in people who do good. Recognizing this truth makes it harder to hate your enemies. What thoughts do you have about this? We, we were just talking about this in our uh, community groups. Um, in week one of our community groups, uh, Bob Goff says you know, the same thing. Um, no one is all good or all evil. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, realizing that makes it easier to love our neighbors because they're, they're like us, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not all good or all evil. Um, so I really appreciated that this is something that's immediate in our world and in our, you know, learning at the church. Yeah, and it seems to come back to that intention, right? Getting to know someone um, helps you to find common ground with them, helps you to recognize that about them, that they're like you, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when on the surface it seems like you disagree about everything or whatever it may be, uh, sometimes it takes – that's yeah. a big step to yeah. be able to I think our to society – <laughs> wants to separate people, right. you know, from each other. There's this group and that group, and then there's this group and that group. And, you know, you're supposed to hate the other people. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, another thing I think in our culture that we're really getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead of finding common ground, you know, we're supposed to villainize that that group. Right. Oh, them. Right. The other. Yeah, the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of goes back to, David makes this uh, analogy a lot of times is when we, as Christians, draw a line in the sand and say, you're out and we're in. Uh, historically, we, we do that in the wrong place, you know, wrong pace anyway. Um, but really, it's about drawing your circle wider and including mm-hmm. more people. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which was this week's sermon, drawing your circle mm-hmm. wider. wider. Yep. Yeah. In addition, hating another person only hurts us. Have you experienced this? <laughs> I think all of us probably have. I'm sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that's kind of a universal human emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, hating someone is also a decision because mm-hmm. you have to fuel that hate. So, you you know, you might start to forget what happened, you know, that made you hate that person. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, oh, intentionally remember and refuel that emotion. So maybe hate is an emotion or a decision as much as love is. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I like the way that you, you phrased that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly that hating another person only hurts us. I think we've probably all also experienced that, that mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> yeah. And even if it's not like, um, you know, I, I, when I was trying to think about this, I couldn't think of a specific instance. You, you two might not have been able to think of a specific instance either, but I certainly know that I've had those feelings, you know, whether they're fleeting or whether they've lasted a long time of, you know, extreme dislike or hating somebody for either something they did. Maybe I knew them, maybe I didn't, maybe it was at work, maybe it was in my personal life. Um, you know, but, but I can definitely see, how when those 
thoughts of hate um, or the just negative thoughts in general, you know, affect my personality, mm -hmm. affect my demeanor. They definitely, um, you know, don't find, I don't find joy in those. And so then my outward appearance, my happiness is not, uh, you know, not there. So um, yeah, definitely. I, I'm sure that all of us have experienced some form of, you know, someone cutting you off in the, in the parking lot or, you know, something right. like, to that nature. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that makes you bitter when mm -hmm. you experience, you know, I think we've all known people that are uh, kind of hateful in, in the long term. That's kind of right. their personality default. Mm -hmm. And it's not fun to be around them. And it's, and right. it's, you know, they're challenging people to act lovingly toward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's that bitterness that comes with that hatred. And right. it's just it's just a cancer, I think, almost. Yeah. I will say, um, thinking of, you know, a time that I was really hurt and uh, thinking, I think it's easy to think that the solution right away is, to hate that person, mm -hmm. that that's going to make you feel better or that's going to bring some resolution because how could they or, you know, whatever. But, um, but that doesn't, or even any... cutting somebody off. Right. Yeah. You right. Know, or I'm, I'm you're out of my of, life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Oh, I, you know, whether it's family or friends or whatnot, but mm -hmm. just the act of, you know, I'm going to do this to this person because they wronged me. Right. And it, and maybe it feels better right when you make that decision, mm -hmm. but, um, it often does not bring out about the resolution that I think we're usually looking for in exactly. that kind of conflict. Well, that's it. Like, I think conflict resolution maybe is our goal mm -hmm. um, instead of just saying, okay, done, hands up, you know, I'm done with you. Maybe, right. you know, conflict conflict resolution is part of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it certainly takes a big act of love to be able to make that step when you feel like you were the one who was wrong. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. All right, quote number two. Hate is too great a burden to bear. I have decided to love. From 1967, uh, where do we go from here? So how do you understand hatred as a burden too great to bear? Is it easier to love or hate another person? It's a good question. When I, when I read that quote, I was like, yeah, hatred's hard, but loving people is hard too. Mm -hmm. um, at least... At least when we decide to love people, we get heavenly help. Mm. You know, Jesus is on our side helping us to love people. He's certainly not going to help us to hate people. Right. So, you know, as hard as loving people is, hating them is harder. You don't, you certainly don't get any help hating people. Yeah. I think that hate, it seems like the easier option in the short term. <laughs> but in the long term, like you said, it, it makes you bitter and... Life gets harder, I think, mm -hmm. if yeah. you choose hate. Right. So choosing hate must be like choosing love. It must be a decision. It must not be more than an emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, thinking about hate being a great burden, it just um, reminds me of how exhausting it can be. Um, you know, I often... Uh, get really angry at things that are happening in the world, um, injustice that I see and, and things that I think we could just love each other. Come on. <laughs> you know, and I get angry about those kinds of things. And sometimes often that feels very overwhelming. Um, and while anger, I think is sometimes justified and maybe sometimes even productive, um, when it like consumes you, 
and turns into that kind of hate, I think it, it makes your life a lot harder. Like you said, there's no, you know, you're not joyful anymore. Um, it makes you heavier, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, not in as good of a position to address the things that you were angry about in the first place. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not the best me to try to fix some of those things if I'm just consumed by being angry about them. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, the, the people on either side of Jesus, uh, when he was crucified were bad people right and he says to them today you will be in paradise with me i mean they spent their lives as you know taking advantage of people mm-hmm. and robbing mm-hmm. people and, right and uh, you know that behavior was forgiven in an instant so um yeah we need to be loving people not not hating them and mm-hmm. well it's separating the sin from the sinner right mm-hmm. and and you know hating the sin and loving the sinner and I think, yeah, exactly. For some people, it's hard to to separate. And it can feel like showing that person love means that the bad things that they did don't matter or that you're excusing them. And that's not the case at all. What we're saying is love is more important. And so uh, not that the bad things that they've done, maybe the ways that they've hurt us are excused now, but that we're choosing again, choosing, um, to say that love is more important and hopefully showing them the person that, that they too can choose love instead. Mm, Good point. Plus I've probably done stuff to, you know, people hate me for, and I would hate for that to be a permanent, uh, yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. And I think this all goes into, well, I'm sorry. I was jumping ahead. Quote number three. I think it it's just leads right into that. So let's get into it. Um, well, we he says, often forgiveness is important to deciding to love instead of hate. So it helps to remember that learning to forgive others is part of agape love. So quote number three says, I know that love is ultimately the only answer to mankind's problems. From 1967, where do we go from here? So when we think about the problems of the world, and there are many, what are some problems, challenges, issues that love can address? Are there problems beyond the reach of the influence of love? No. Short answer, no. (laughs) Um, I would have to spend a whole lot of time with this question to to come up with a short answer. Mm -hmm. But just off the top of my head, um, I'm pretty concerned about the unity in our country um, and the lack of respect that people have for people of opposing opinions um, or viewpoints or experiences. And so I, I think that love um, pretty well covers that. You know, we just talked about no one is all good or all bad mm-hmm. and recognizing that loving our neighbor is part of the solution um, to, to, to that. And so I think if we can learn to respect one another's worldviews, viewpoints and experiences, we will have taken leaps and bounds, um, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And then I also think of problems that are maybe a little closer to home, like loneliness mm-hmm. or hunger 
or homelessness where love, I mean, you can just see a direct connection between, you know, donating some of your food or, or time to a lonely neighbor or, you know. Yeah. Some of the problems that run through my mind are the polarization of our world, global warming, the rise of radical fundamentalism and the pandemic. As I reflect upon this, it seems to me as though love is important to each of these. And when I was reading that, I was trying to, in my mind, think, okay, how, in each of those situations, how can uh, love help solve them? And uh, you already talked about the polarization um, division. And of course, what we've been talking about, getting to know each other through, with love, uh, to share some common ground. Global warming was an interesting one because it maybe doesn't seem immediately like, okay, how do we fix the planet with love? Then you think, well, we need to, one, loving our neighbor means res- having respect for the place that we live, right? And uh, future generations. And uh, so it's also about not maybe being as self-centered and looking outwardly which is one of the things that our church does really well. Yeah, these these questions are kind of blending into how we govern ourselves as a society as well. And, mm. you know, those are oftentimes different things unless we, you know, if we look at how, how do we govern from a love perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, love in and of itself, if, we, if, 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 you know, we love each other, it's not going to magically fix those issues. But if we're willing to work through those issues other ideas, other viewpoints, from a perspective of love, uh, we might have better outcomes, better solutions. Mm-hmm. He says, my final quote is one of my favorite quotes. I still believe that standing up for the truth of God is the greatest thing in all the world. This is the end of life. The end of life is not to be happy. The end of life is not to achieve pleasure and avoid pain. The end of life is to do the will of God, come what may. This quote reminds me a little of John Wesley's covenant renewal prayer, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Think about each of these phrases. So we'll just go one at a time. First, how important is it to you to be happy in life? I think it is important to be happy in life. And I think it's one of the ways that we can gauge if we're doing the will of God or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I have attempted quite a few ministries um, here at the church. And, you know, if I felt happy doing that, if I felt fulfilled, then maybe that was a clue that I was doing God's will. Um, So, and I just think, you know, I don't want to walk around being a miserable person. Sure. Right. You know, so if I'm happy, then my chances are, you know, that I can help my husband to be happy and I can help my children to be happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long as I'm not walking around in misery, um, then, you know, it it, it is important. It may not be the goal of life, Mm -hmm. but it certainly to me is, is quite important to be happy. Maybe joy is a better way of, of putting it, um, you know, you can be joyful uh, in any circumstance, but happiness seems to me to be, you know, dependent upon the circumstance of your life. Yeah, that's kind of the way I thought of it too, where 
maybe happiness is not the purpose of life, not the goal that we're striving towards, but more a symptom or an effect of living a a good life and living out um, God's purpose for you, then you will be happier. (laughs) Okay. How important is it to you to achieve pleasure and avoid pain? This is definitely a, a natural human instinct. Sure. sure. You know, yeah. we're um, pretty hardwired to follow the path of least resistance and to avoid pain, physical pain primarily, but emotional pain, uh, psychological pain. It's amazing the lengths that our brains go to to, to shelter us from yeah. pain, painful yeah. memories, painful thoughts, emotions, yeah. the gymnastics that goes on in there. Um, yeah. It's kind of amazing. And, and if we think about Jesus' life, he certainly did not avoid pain. Right. He certainly was not in the pursuit of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that's what happened to the person that we're, le- we're following, mm-hmm. I think we can expect a certain amount of pain and a certain amount of not pleasure. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Right. We and can... especially if we're living our lives for only you know, happiness and pleasure. Right. We're unlikely to do something that's difficult or hard that we, <laughs> you know, might, that, that might be positive in the end. Right. <laughs> that's, that's hedonism, true. right? Yeah. Exactly. Isn't it, isn't it that the definition of yeah. hedonism living for pleasure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, how self-centered is that? Exactly. Yeah. And then also if that's how we spend our whole lives, then how pleasurable are the pleasurable things at the in That's the end? True. If yeah. there was never any bad to go with the good, wouldn't feel as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. If I lived in pursuit of what I wanted to do only, then that's not fulfilling at all. Right. At all. Yeah, I think we can expect that we will face pain throughout our lives, but uh, the comfort is that we know that we're not doing it alone, that we've got God, and that's pretty good. <laughs> And if doing the will of God is what is most important, how do we know what God's will is for our lives? And this last question is a bit wild. Because he tells us. He tells us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jesus says, sell all your possessions and follow me. Mm. You know, don't be concerned with the worldly matters and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Right. Scripture is certainly... It, which is hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, doing it is a whole exactly, other exactly. ball of wax than knowing what to do. Mm-hmm, but scripture mm-hmm. is certainly um, pretty clear about loving God is number one and loving your neighbor is number two. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, I would say scripture is 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 very important in knowing what God will, God's will is for our lives um, as is reflecting um, on that scripture and taking the time to understand what truth is being spoken into our own lives and praying and Mm -hmm. trial and error like I was saying you know with different ministries you know is this is being involved with this ministry God's will for my life Mm -hmm. and just you have to just jump in you can't wait for God to say and you've got to you know you got to try it and see if that's bringing you fulfillment and meaning in your life. And if it's not, maybe it's time to, maybe God's calling you elsewhere. I'm not sure that we can be a hundred percent positive. Right. Um, without some trial and error. Yep. 
Yeah, and the proof is in kind of the outcome. If, like you said, if you're feeling fulfilled, if the people around you are positively impacted by the work that you're doing, those are all good signs that you're doing God's will. Yep. Well, agape, love is as love does. Pastor Dave says, God bless you. Well, thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, don't forget to let us know your thoughts and stories about how God is working in your life and uh, maybe your thoughts on these questions and quotes. Thank you, Anne and Chris. And if you are watching a video of this podcast, uh, our audio podcast is available on SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. And you can find the devotional in text forms. You can read along uh, on our website, desertspringchurch.com. I'd like to say a prayer before we leave. And because we mentioned uh, John Wesley's covenant renewal prayer, I thought it would be nice for us to close in that one more time. Give us a little bit of a reminder. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou will. Rank me with whom thou will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven.